Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk co-host. You there, Chris? I'm here, James. Again, you got me for another, oh, about 55 minutes. Oh, there we go. There we go. And I guess former NFL player, Larry Brown. How you doing, Mr. Brown? I'm doing fine, James. How you doing? We're, we're wonderful. Glad to have you on and excited. And I'm glad because, you know, with the Eagles, we're in the same conference, you know? Play, yeah. play together. <laughs> Chris, are you doing okay? Yes, I'm doing okay. great. <laughs> Well, Lay, I'd like to uh, start off by letting our listeners let you tell a little bit about, you know, where you came from, what college, what team. Just a little bit about yourself before we dig in and uh, get down with the nitty-gritty. Yeah, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, specifically the Hill District. And um, my father was a huge baseball fan. Um, he... He encouraged me to get involved with the sport, baseball, sport of baseball, uh, at a very young age. And uh, he uh, he made sure that I learned how to play every position so I would always be in the starting lineup, no matter what. And... Uh, Somewhere, sometime during high school, I developed I did, developed a hitch in my swing, and for some reason the coach wasn't able to correct the flaw, and I began to lose interest in in baseball. Then I sort of drifted towards football. Um, I never I had never played the game before. Uh, uh, but I, you know, I was, wasn't afraid of contact. And so I decided to try out for the team. And, uh, fortunately for me, I, I did make the team. And they thought that I would, the right, the position for me was fullback because I wasn't afraid to hit anybody. So therefore, blocking came, uh, wasn't a difficult task for me. So, uh, so my junior year in high school is when I started out in football, and then uh, my senior year they moved me to halfback, and I believe I uh, finished the senior year as uh, honorable mentioned all city. Um. Uh, but at that time, I only had one scholarship, and that offer, that scholarship offer came from Kent State. And that was during a time when there were a lot of protests taking place throughout the country over our involvement in the Vietnam War. Mm. So in retrospect, I'm glad I didn't go to Kent State, because <laughs> there was a... <laughs> but, there were some problems up there during that, that period. All right. Uh, but there was a guy that played before me at Shinley High School, the high school I, attend, I uh, graduated from, and he advised me about going to Dodge City, Kansas. And the, what really piqued my interest about Dodge City, Kansas was the fact that if I played Go, if I went to a Dodge, Dodge City, Kansas, or junior college, I would play more games than if I would have gone to a four-year college because I'd have been labeled junior, junior varsity, and I would have played four You could only play four games back then. So I said, I thought it was a great idea. So I got on, my father worked for the railroad, so he got me a pass to take the train to Dodge City. And you got to remember, I, 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 like I said a few minutes ago, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is quite different from from Kansas in terms of uh, lifestyle, culture. And when I got to Dodge City, 
I got off the train, I looked up and I saw Gunsmoke Avenue, and then I saw Wider Hotel, and I got down on my <laughs> knees and cried. <laughs> I said, what have I done, you know? <laughs> but I, um, I was there, uh, I had the same situation. I had the situation there was that in order for me to get a scholarship, I had to make the team. So I made the team. I started as fullback, and again, my senior year there, I ended up as um, a halfback. And shortly thereafter, uh, my coach at Dodd City Junior College was Leroy Montgomery. He took a position with at Kansas State, and he wanted me to go with him to Kansas State, and I did reluctantly because I was trying to get out of Kansas, but I, I he talked me into going to Kansas State, so I went there, and I started as fullback there, and then I um, became the featured running back my senior year there, but the Junior year, I blocked for Mac Heron and Cornelius Davis, and Lynn Dickey was our quarterback. Okay. Uh, so that's that's how I got to Kansas. And the coach there, the coach there said he he said to me, he said, Larry, you probably are going to be drafted. In the fifth round, I th- I laughed it off. I thought he was he was joking, and so the fifth round came and passed, and I did not get a phone call. And um, however, the guy I was blocking for, Cornelius Davis, was drafted in the fifth round by the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So I forgotten about I forgot about the draft until you know I got a call from the Redskins in the eighth round, congratulating me uh, for congratulating me as a member of their organization, and that that's when I began to focus on my pro career, what how how I was going to make the team and. And uh, and you know, uh, condition myself, get myself mentally ready for training camp. One quick question before I know Chris got a lot, but were you scared when you went out to the Kansas for the team? You didn't know anybody, or you know, you weren't uh, nervous or nothing. No, I wasn't nervous. I, you know, it was just a different culture, different lifestyle. You know, they had annual cattle drives downtown, the middle of downtown every year. And I said, I wasn't used to anything like that, you know. And the tornadoes, because the terrain was very flat, not like Pittsburgh. So there was abundance of tornadoes and, and, you know, those those things could be frightening, you know. Right. Right. So, but I, but I have always been able to make whatever adjustments necessary to to survive. So it was, a, it wasn't a difficult situation. Well, it took good. some time to get used to it. So before I go to ask one of my questions, one thing I'd like to know is, back in '69, what was training camp like for for college? Uh. You mean in college it was a lot different yeah. than in college it was a training camp was a lot different. Oh, I guess before than, '69, excuse me. Yeah, a lot different than the NFL. Uh, you don't you realize it until you get to the to until you get to the NFL. You don't realize how different it is, you know, and how fast the pace is at at, at the professional level in comparison to the collegiate level. Uh, but uh, 69 was my rookie year at, with the Redskins. And, you know, Vince Lombardi conducted very demanding and punishing training camps. 
And, uh, you know, my attitude was that I would go to camp. I wasn't looking to make any friends because um, friends could get you cut. And I wasn't um, in putting myself in a position to be told that you did not make the cut. Right. Or you didn't make the team, rather. So so what I did was um, I, I would, every time I carried the ball, I'd run 30, 40 yards down the field. And, um, and I did everything I could to get Vince Lombardi's attention. And, um, and eventually it, it, it worked. It, you know, we kind of butted heads a lot because I wasn't very, um, you know, I wasn't used to being, having somebody who was as confrontational as he, he was at that time. And so that took, took a little bit of, of uh, took a little bit of adjustment on my part, but I managed to uh, I managed to do well. Right. Well, before we do, Chris, we got to take a break. When we come back, um, I know you got the question, and I know Larry ready to tell us. And um, sound like what he did, what I did. When I went to Wyoming, they walked up and down the street with horses. I was like, "Where am I at?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> We'll be right back. Okay. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk, co-hosting you, Chris. You with us now? I am here. I'm ready. Let's go for it. And we got a former NFL player, Larry Brown. Larry, don't leave us yet. Don't leave us. I'm not. We got to go down the street and get these cattle, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's time, Buckaroo. It's all yours, Chris. All right. So, Larry, when you were growing up, I understand that you watched Jim Brown, who was a running back for Cleveland. Uh, people even compared you to him. What do you think of this comparison? Well, it would have been very hard not to watch Jim Brown because of the huge rivalry back then between the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I am flattered to be compared to Jim because I think he was the best and the toughest running back to ever play in the game. Um, however, there was another running back that got my attention because of his size and his ability uh, not only to run with the football, but he, he was a good blocker and he could catch passes. 
He was an all-purpose back with the Dallas Cowboys. His number was 43, and his name is Don Perkins. Uh-huh. Perkins. <laughs> yeah, I heard his name. How was this dollar running, Larry? Um, he was uh, very shifty, you know, but he was he was tough. Um he didn't, I'm not sure he ran like me. I think uh, what really attracted me or, you know, um, what really got me into watching him or paying attention to him is the fact that he did so many things. And it's like going back to when my father got me involved in baseball. He said, I want you to learn every position. So I said to myself that if I'm going to play football, I need to be able to do more than one thing, you know? So this guy was an all-purpose back, and that's what I started out with. That was my objective, is being all-purpose running back. You know, your father had a good point there because when uh, I was with Philly, my coach, you know, he came from college to Philly. He's like, um, you might not make this team as a receiver, but, you know, play every position, and you'll make one of those positions, you know? That's how you make this team. You're right. You know? So I was trying out for everything. I even went out there for the water boy. <laughs> I didn't know that was a position. <laughs> I, I was going to make up when I say that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. All right. So uh, you, you you were talking about uh, the other running backs, you know, Perkins that you had were watching. Um, were there any other running backs? Oh, so we're, we're going to talk about now running backs playing now. Are there any that play with your style and are ones you like to watch in the NFL? I don't, I'm not sure that I'm aware of anyone that, that play with my style. Um, I, but the only running back that's really got my attention is the one that's with the Kansas City Chiefs, and I believe his name is Kareem Hunt. Yes, yeah. Hunt. I like him. He's he's pretty good runner, and I, I, I I've been watching him uh, for a while this season, and I, I think he's good. Yeah, oh, I I think a lot of people think he is. <laughs> um, I was watching some uh, sports earlier today, and they were talking about who should be the MVP of this league because. They're saying that yeah, um, that they, they should, you know, Tom Brady know. Um, there was a bunch of them. They just listed off that say no, no, no. But they actually listed Carson Wentz and they listed West are wow. people that they think should be uh, MVP this year possibly. Wow. Uh, the, the situation, the game has changed so much. Mm-hmm. That you got a lot of what you call situational running backs, and not the every down running backs that existed when, when during seventies um, during that era. You know, I right. used to say I, I, I said that 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 era was the era of running backs. Today, it's the, the gunslingers like uh, Drew Brees and Brady and. And others, you know, and, and that that play that position. Uh, and and when I think about Lombardi and Allen, I'm I, they were very very uncomfortable with putting the ball in the air forty times a game or more. Mm. And I think that the the reason that the reason that uh, we were told that when the ball's in the air, you no longer have it. And a lot of things are going to happen, and most of them are bad. Well, you said, you said something pretty good that um, the game had changed. You know, I think a lot of people didn't like, like back there, you know, scores of what, 10 and 6 or 6 and 9 with slow pace, and you ran the ball all day mostly. Now, the right. fans want to see scoring and excitement, so they changed it. You're right, but back then, those were really 
nitty-gritty games, wasn't it? I mean, you sit there and grind out one, two, four, five yards the whole game. Don't you think that was football then? Yeah, I think that was what you really call football. Today, I'm not sure when I'm sitting watching television and watching the game, and, I, I, you know, I'm, it's almost like watching tennis. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of truth to that because you guys, you know, the hard hitting, the, the the uniforms, the helmets, you know, were nothing like they they are they were back you know, they that you had back then. Um, yeah, they're they're babying the players now. So yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Larry, I, I think I watched back then because I was a big fan back then, but there was no way you guys could score with a minute, 13 seconds left in the game. Is it right? Now you get three touchdowns in. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You make a good point. You're absolutely right. But we do, we, well, they got, they, they've gotten better defenses now in the, you know, defenses now that, that try to shut down the two-minute drill at the end of the game or, you know, uh, at the, yeah, at the end of the game. And um, uh, and the people are still scoring. Uh, so uh, it's, 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 it's different, very different. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that, that's a lot different, though, is the athleticism. You know, you back then... You saw these big old bellies hanging over, you know, the top, and you know now most of them are very in shape. Yeah, but they they are in better they are in good shape. But I'm not sure that we did ourselves in the last collective bargaining agreement. I'm not sure we did our helped ourselves by limiting uh, the. the full contact in, 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 right. in, in practice because, you know, it's one thing to be in, 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 in good shape. It's another thing to be in game shape. In order to get into game shape, you've got to have contact. And right. So if you, you can't be out on the practice field every day in shorts and shoulder pads and expect to, um, you know, uh, not expect to not get injured because I believe that's why we have so many, they're having so many injuries today uh, because of that fact, because they're not in, they're not in good shape. I mean, game shape. Right, you're correct. You're correct. Well, ask me this question. I mean, when I was with Philly, and like, explain back to your time, when I got there, I was like, why are these guys standing around and we practice them? They was a veteran player and they only practiced so much. And you're right. Did any of your veteran players sit out practice like that? Uh, no. I remember one situation under Lombardi when Lombardi um, Lombardi walked out in the practice field one day and there was nobody out there. Everybody was in the training room. In in the saunas and getting treatment and stuff like that, and he walked in. and He said, "You know, you got about five minutes. Every one of you got about five minutes to get out of these tubs and get your uniform on and get out on the field, or I'm a fire or cut all of you." And you should have seen them. You know, people hopping and crawling to get out there on the field. Mm-hmm. He meant it. That's good. That's good. All right, Chris. Well, we have about, you know, let's go ahead and take a break because we're about ready to take a break. We come back, then we'll talk. I like to talk about Vince Lombardi and and kind of how he affected you um, in your your career and your life and so forth. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play by play, and even what's happening in the offseason. 
Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Loving That Sports Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is Jay Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk, and Coach Chris, you with me, Colin. I'm here. I'm here. I've, I've got some interesting stuff coming up, so if you want to it's hear this. It's story time. It's story time, right, Chris? <laughs> it's story time, yep. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. All right, Larry. So when you you were newly um, arrival to the Redskins in 1969, and... It was during that time that uh, Vince Lombardi became head coach. Right. Um, you know, first of all, you know, you've kind of talked to, talked a little bit about Vince Lombardi, but I'd like to know a few things. So playing playing for Vince Lombardi had had to have taught you so much about football and life lessons. You know, you hear so much. You know, he's 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 this. Phenom. He's yeah. He 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 has some a major character with him. Right. Um. So it also had to have been difficult going from Vince Lombardi to Coach Austin because you're only with Lombardi for a year. Right. And then Coach Allen. Tell me about Coach Lombardi's coaching style and that and how that helped you in life. And also tell me about how Lombardi's. Austin's and Allen's similarities and differences in coaching. First, let me say that uh, regarding life lessons, there's one thing that comes to mind. Lombardi was very stern about showing up for meetings on time. Therefore, you know, he implemented a stiff fine for late attendance to any meeting. And if you were you were considered late if you were the last one to walk in the room, and Ooh. as a result, we the players set our watches ahead fifteen minutes, and I still do that today in order to show respect for for people's time. Mm-hmm. Um, let me say with no disrespect to Bill Austin, Bill Austin was named interim head coach because Lombardi passed approximately a month before the opening of training camp. And and there was wasn't enough time to conduct a thorough search for his replacement. And he was the uh he was the offensive line coach under Vince Lombardi, you know, before they made him the interim coach. Uh, Lombardi and Allen had two different coaching styles, too, uh, but they both 
had the same winning results. Lombardi's game plan was based on simplicity, execution, and perfection. His management style included fear and intimidation at the highest level. He treated us like men until we proved that he needed to treat us differently. Uh, he also was a very passionate about family, sports, and religion, and not necessarily in that order. I like to share a story about, to give you a good idea of what he was like. Uh, we were at a meeting one day, and there was a wide receiver coach was up at the blackboard drawing, giving us some instructions. And Vince Lombardi was walking around the room, checking, seeing whether people were paying attention. And this one, our starting right tackle, was drawing baby gorillas on his sweatpants. And Lombardi saw this guy, and he said, Mr., what are, the, what are you doing? And the guy made the fatal mistake of saying, Coach, these are the same plays we run every week. And Vince Lombardi said, yes, and they're the same plays you blow every week. <laughs> and he fined them $500, and the guy said, what's the fine for? What's $500 for? He said, for doodling. <laughs> But he was funny. I mean, he he was a tough, tough, tough coach. Wow. You're right. You you definitely respect and respect, and you know that's. And George that's Allen was a little different. Uh, George was. Um, uh, I'd say George was uniquely fanatical about the details of the game, which made him probably one of the hardest working coaches back back in the league at that time. He worked extremely long hours, so as a result, we, we you know, suffered in practice. But how, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud to say, though, that we're one of the, we were one of the best prepared teams in the league on game day. His, his system, his play calling system was a little bit more complicated than, than Lombardi's. Uh, Lombardi didn't care whether you knew the play was going to occur at all, but you know he 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 didn't care. He just wanted you to perfect it. But George wanted to tell everybody what they were supposed to do on every play, and left not much for memory. Uh, his management style was based on incentives and recognition for players who played a significant role in our victories. Mm-hmm. I, uh, which when you, the word incentives brings me to bring to mind another story I'd like to share with you. We had a, um, a defensive lineman who was elated because he inked a clause in his contract stating he would receive a bonus for every interception he made. So during the season, we were uh, playing a formidable opponent, and they had a strong running game, and they were moving the ball at will on our defense. So this defensive lineman called timeout and went over to speak to George Allen and he said, George, you know, these guys are moving the ball. They got an uh, impressive ground ground game and they're moving the ball on us pretty good. He said, can you give me some advice? He said, yeah. He said, first of all, you need to line up on the line of scrimmage instead of in the secondary. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but, you know, George was not 
confrontational like Vince Lombardi. Uh, sometimes he would come across as being timid, but if you crossed him, if you crossed him, you may read in the newspaper that you've been traded for two senior citizens and uh, <laughs> with no termination notice. <laughs> well, you have... You have any stories of like a game where you had your best game or a game that you didn't do good and the coach, you know, got and you came back the next game? Do you have any good stories like? Uh, the only story that I can think of is I guess my best game was against the New York Giants. I think I had 191 yards against them. Ooh, and. Man. And the only what I remember is that when I scored my a touchdown one time, somebody threw a can of beer uh, out at me, and you know I it, that didn't bother me as much as the fact that the beer wasn't my brand. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard that thing? Take one for the team. Just drink. <laughs> I guess that's what I was doing. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. So Larry, um, let's go back to Coach Lombardi. I heard a story that Coach Lombardi had you carry around a football during training camp. You want to tell us why? Well, you know, it, we were in training camp and um, on this particular play, I... Um, well, he said I fumbled the ball. I disagreed with him, and after I, you know, I, I disagreed with him, told him I didn't fumble the ball, and he said, well, you did fumble it, and said, in order to, to, to get you more focused on that, I want you to carry the football. Every, I want you to carry this football everywhere you go for a week, including grocery stores and to church. Oh, so that's what I did, so... But um, he made—I mean—he really made you angry. But just when you're really—you don't want to hear his name and you don't want to see him—he'll walk up to you and put his hand on his hand on your shoulder and say, "And this is when I realized I made the team because he walked up to me. He said, Larry, he said, um, you can say anything you want to say about me, but just don't let me hear you." <laughs> so I said, okay. <laughs> so that was when I felt that I had made the team. Yeah. Because we were battling back and forth there for a while. Right. <laughs> well, so all right, in 1972, you put up the following numbers. You had 285 attempts rushing for 1,216 yards. You had 32 receptions for 473 yards. Now, so based on all this, um, on your numbers, you were awarded the NFL MVP. So first, how did this award affect your play going forward? And second, did other teams play you differently knowing you had received this award? Uh, it did not affect me personally because then if I remember correctly George Allen uh, individual accomplishments took second place to to the accomplishments and the goals of the, the team itself so that wasn't okay. that wasn't the issue um, I don't think other teams focused they focused on the red they focused on me because we had a strong running game back then and uh, and they focused on our passing ability with Sonny Jurgensen and uh, so if, if if i remember correctly when we were preparing preparing for another team getting ready uh uh, to play uh, preparing for another team we would um, would uh, you know try to identify their strengths 
in their weaknesses. You want to take away the strengths and you, you know and take it uh, take away their strengths and take advantage of their weaknesses. So uh, I would say that um, they were. Our opponents were focused on me, and they were focused on our, pa- our, our passing game. Well, this is what we're going to do. We'll take our last break, and then we're going to get the last few questions. I might get another story, Larry. That's all right with you. <laughs> Not a problem. I got a we'll bunch right of them. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk, co-host from Chris Whitman. I'm still here. Man, I hope we get more stories out, I guess. Larry, I hope we get more stories. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. You got to pull them out. You got a question, Chris? Or we gotta yeah, I sure stories? do. So, Larry, one thing I, I when I was you know doing some, some research on you, I kept seeing a lot of posts where people want you voted into the Hall of Fame. The number that you, that, that you put up shows that you deserve it. You know, what, what, what do you think? I mean, are you, are you ready? <laughs> uh, let's say, uh, when I became eligible, I, um, you know, I made a lot of noise about the, that, you know, I gave some valid reasons why I should be in the Hall of Fame. And one of them was, they, you know, the, the argument has always been that I didn't play long enough. And my response was, neither did Gail Sayers. And no no disrespect to Gail, Gail was a phenomenal athlete, and and he's, he, has, he had moves that have not even been duplicated yet. But the fact that, you know, he... You know, they just told me, the bottom line, they said, Larry, don't go there. So I'm saying to myself, something strange about this. And and I said, maybe it's the presenter. The presenter probably was George Hallis for Gail Sayers. And who was going to tell George Hallis no? So, and my dilemma is the fact that Vince Lombardi and George Allen have have passed, so I basically don't have uh, a presenter with the um, uh, in in the class of someone like uh, George Hallis. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, with the 
induction of Terrell Davis, who had a similar career to mine, that uh, maybe that will change in the near future because he just got inducted and our, our yes. stats and our careers were pretty much about the same. Yeah, those committees. Yeah, you know, I don't that time. I'll, you know, just have to sit there and keep <laughs> nudging the votes. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's 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 not not easy. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you, Larry. Those committees. It's like you know, you got to have somebody pushing for you. You don't, you know, and you should get in. You know, but that's right. why those committees work. You're right, absolutely. But things have really changed to, I I think I have somewhat of an advantage now that what I didn't have before is that Bruce Allen's with the the Redskins organization, and he has, I'm sure, a very clear memory of my contribution to to the organization. Uh, In fact, the Redskins have not, Put, officially retired my jersey, but my jersey has not been on the field since I retired. That's right. So that's a good indication that they appreciate it. The Redskins appreciates my my contribution to their organization. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. So that's yeah, impressive. All right, so. Let's let's talk about. Was there a team? I, I, okay, so you were you were with the Redskins, right? And I know Redskins hate <laughs> the Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys. You know, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, right, James? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so based on all that, was there a team or player that you didn't like to play against? Uh, not really, um, but there were a couple players that get, really got my attention. Uh, one time my backfield coach told me that I should maintain my distance from the outside linebacker when running a pass route downfield. Of course, I didn't follow his instructions and... Dave Wilcox of the 49ers got my, got my attention when he clotheslined me, and that was really a painful experience. Hmm. The other one was with, um, we were playing Kansas City, and Willie Lanier is a middle linebacker, and everywhere I went on the field, I was met and hit hard by Willie. And it got so r- ridiculous that that uh, I thought maybe he was in our huddle. And uh, I remember doing halftime telling the offensive line, I was so angry, I told the offensive line, if you can't block Willie, then let me do it and you guys run with the football. <laughs> <laughs> let them do your job and you do their job. I got yeah. you. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So these days it seems that a sports agent is almost necessary for a professional athlete. It's not requirement, but it's it's you know pretty much necessary in order to get a decent contract. Back in the sixties, uh, when you were when you started to play. There were very few sport agents. If you had the opportunity, would you have signed with one if they could promise you more money? I would only sign with one after I've done my research to determine whether he, the person had actually made players more money. Right. Uh, a lot of times, get yourself in a situation where people are recommending folks for you and if you don't do your due diligence and you you could easily make a mistake but back then we weren't making that much money anyway so we probably could right. afford to make a mistake or two but today there's no way in the world I would uh, negotiate a contract without having an agent right right hmm. yeah that would mess me up getting that agent he was horrible yeah, 
I went with the wrong one, but you live and you learn. Yes, you do. You know, I do like the idea that I think today the NFL Players Association, they have a list of agents which have been certified by them, I think. Yes. And that would have been been a, a, you know, ideal for back in the early 70s. That would have worked. Yeah. Well, we got a few minutes left. We got to get another story out of you, Larry. Okay. Um, Tell us about the time that Lombardi was 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 assuming that you were 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 slow off the line, and what what happened with that? Well, Lombardi was watching a film of a, a recent game and. He noticed that I was moving late with the snap of the football, and he said to me, he inquired about it. He said, Larry, um, uh, what's the problem? I told him I was having some difficulty recognizing the various defensive alignments. That lasted, that lasted for about a couple hours, and the next thing I knew, you know, uh, I was sitting in front of my locker, and I looked up, and I saw two men approaching me in long white coats. And I'm saying to myself, I'm thinking St. Elizabeth, and I'm trying to figure out what did I do to deserve this kind of treatment. And But I later found out that those people were there to give me a hearing examination. Mm-hmm. And then when they gave me the hearing examination, it confirmed that I was totally deaf in one ear. And then Vince Lombardi called the commissioner, I believe it was Pete Roselle then, and got permission to put install a hearing aid in my helmet. When that, all, when that was all done, he told me to put the helmet on and told me to go to the other side of the room, said, Larry, can you hear me? And I said, Coach, I've never had a problem hearing you. (laughs) 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 Well, well, Larry, we want to thank you really again for being on the show. Like you said, if you can, contact you, have you come back on. We'd love to have you back on and uh, really appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot. I enjoyed Absolutely. it. All right, you take care, and we'll be in touch. Okay, goodbye. All right. Take care. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.